Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. If you're reading Proverbs with us, if you're continually reading through the 31 chapters of Proverbs, um, maybe one chapter a week as a community, you might notice that there is a theme of rebuke. Uh, there's a, there's a, a common theme in Proverbs that's saying, uh, that talks about rebuke, both for saying rebuke, like how you should go about uh, communicating rebuke, as well as how you should go about receiving rebuke. Specifically in Proverbs, there's a lot of verses encouraging people to um, be open to rebuke or a certain type of um, accountability or agitation because there are um, because wise people are able to extract really important learnings from conflict. I know that for me, my personal commitment is that um, I'm, I tr- whenever I fight with someone, I try to fight clean. And <laughs> all I mean by that is <laughs> like, I'm going to try to stay on topic. I'm going to not make personal attacks. I'm not going to dredge up old things that we've already resolved if it truly was resolved. And in general, I'm going to try to have like the patience and discipline of like a martial artist who's like, I am aware of what I'm trying to get at and I'm driving towards that in a disciplined way. And a little bit less like a scared animal that's like, I've been backed into a corner and I will throw anything that I have to hurt you. And I have occupied both of these modes in conflict in the past. And uh, I feel like some of my walk with Jesus is learning how to engage in conflict with a little bit more precision and a little bit less like survival scarcity mode. I'm going to throw something because I don't even know what else to do. Um, Yes, uh, there's people in the chat who identify with the cat. Yeah, don't we all? Um, and and <laughs> just look at those eyes. This is something that has happened inside of all of us at some point or another. <laughs> and you know what it's like to be on the receiving end of this type of conflict where it's like, wow, now you're just trying to go at me. You're just going for the jugular. Like we're no longer talking about any particular thing. You're just trying to hurt me. And, and I think that um, when we observe that type of conflict in a contemplative way, when we can put a pause in between stimulus and reaction, that's where our freedom is. I stole this from Howard Thurman, uh, so let me cite him properly. Howard Thurman talks about like, there's a stimulus and there's a reaction. And if you can put a breath, a contemplation, a prayer in between those two things, that is where your freedom lies. So as we're talking about conflict, part of the reason why we're talking about fighting clean is because our freedom lies in, in being able to do conflict well. Like there is, there's, it's not a zero sum game. If you're able to fight clean and other people are as well, then eventually we'll be able to make a, a world that's a little bit more free. And so, um, so just to get some definitions, I want to be clear that conflict is not proof that your roommate is actually the one person God could not love. And it's not proof that you are someone God couldn't love. I think a lot of times uh, when we're talking about uh, 
um, conflict and when we talk about the emotional experience of conflict, the physical embodied experience of conflict, sometimes there's some really deep feelings that come from that and, and um, it might be that all of a sudden the deep welling resentment that you have for your roommate or your partner or, who, or your friend, your coworker, whoever you're having conflict with, that it's like, I just gotta take this person down. <laughs> As if they aren't a child of God, you know, like, like everyone's a child of God except this one and I gotta uh, take him down. And of course, I feel like we're kind of in a media moment where we're incentivizing people to be really good at takedowns. Like which social media video gets more shares? The social media video where someone is like, you know, someone's being a certain kind of way and the other person just talks them into the ground, just grinds them into sand underneath their heel. <laughs> Um, does that video get more shares or just the video where people are like, okay, I'm feeling kind of hurt, but we're just going to talk this out <laughs> over the course of a half hour, get more shares. Like we're in a moment where there's like an algorithmic reason why we're <laughs> constantly be showing unhealthy models of conflict. And that's like dietary, you know, like we're taking all of these videos in. And of course we know that there's a difference between like what the world of social media and my real world. But sometimes like if we're continually imbibing in this uh, unhealthy conflict pattern, it's really easy to live into that yourself. And so instead of seeing it as like someone's worthiness being on the line, I benefit from thinking of conflict as conflict is proof that someone is not getting their needs met. That's just, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> if there, you are engaging in conflict, if you have the, the physical resource to gain, uh, to initiate conflict, if you're receiving conflict, all of that is about a certain need that is not being met. I mean, think about it. Every day you have probably 1,000 to 2,000 calories that your body is trying to figure out how to spend so that you can like live as a person. And maybe it's like, okay, I have to like make some skin and we have to make sure digestion is running and like we're gonna keep growing our hair out and you know, like, well, yeah, it takes energy to grow hair, right? Uh, and and we're, gonna, uh, uh, we're gonna be taking care of everything. For your body that is trying to budget the, that energy, for conflict to truly justify, for conflict to truly warrant the type of rise that it gets out of you, it must be pretty important. There must be like some evolutionary reason why our body is like, uh-oh, conflict's here. Let me just write a whole big check. <laughs> Here's the credit card, kids. Like, I'm gonna free up a lot of energy in my body to do this, to react with this, even though there are other things that your body could use that energy for. And I really believe that the reason is because conflict, when it's coming from you, is like, conflict is your body trying to advocate for your needs to be met. Like your body at some point is like, hey, I'm not going to be safe. I'm not going to have my material needs met. I'm not going to have my social or affectionate needs met unless I engage in some type of conflict. So I'm going to kind of like boost up a little bit. We're going to go into hyper gear a little bit just to be able to advocate for that. Um, and or if you're receiving it, 
um, either like going into like that, you're matching people's energy or completely collapsing under it. Both of those are body responses saying like <laughs> somehow or another, someone's needs aren't being met and we have to figure that out while negotiating our own needs. And I think about um, the scripture today for the, the proverb that we heard today and how our words can feel like they're just continually stabbing swords. <laughs> how our words can feel like we're causing continual harm to someone. And, and I sometimes in the heat of conflict, it's hard to keep track of, of making sure that you're not causing harm to someone. However, as we see in the Proverbs, our tongue can also be a source of healing. Imagine the glory of God. Imagine the miracle that is present when in the midst of conflict, either bringing up conflict or receiving conflict, we can speak in such a way that healing is possible. What is a greater proof that God is alive in our lives than that we can be agents of healing even when our bodies bring up a lot of fight energy? That's amazing. And, and it makes me really reflect on like, my words heal when they allow both of our needs to be met simultaneously. So when I'm talking about tongue, you know, tongues of healing, I'm not saying just making someone else feel good. And I'm not saying just advocating for your own stuff than leaving. I, I think that uh, for your tongue, for your words to truly be healing, they need to find a way for both people's needs to be met at the same time, which is very difficult. <laughs> it's really hard. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of discipline. And I think that the important thing when keeping conflict in mind is that this is something that we are practicing. When we talk about our faith practice, our prayers, and, and all of these th spiritual practices, worship, small groups, all of these, we're practicing honing our tongue so that the words that come out of our mouth can more often be words of healing where everyone's needs are met because that's the desire of God for all of her children to be able to have their needs met and to be able to flourish beyond that. That's, that's ultimately like a micro step towards the, the kingdom of God, towards the new city that God wants to create in the world. And so um, I just, I just want to name that there are like a lot of tips and tricks around nonviolent communication that we could have dedicated this time to. I feel like a lot of our folks in our community are pretty familiar with this, either because they've been trained in it or because they've had to to survive. So I just want to call out that after um, the service, we're going to have a Zoom call called Sacred Witnessing. The Zoom link for that is posted, uh, we'll post it at the end of worship. And also you can always find the Zoom link in circle, which is um, if you with even if you don't have a login, if you were to click on the light blue button on the corner of the website and then scroll down on the left, there's a link to the Zoom. Uh, this this Sunday would be a great Sunday if you have hot tips or if you have a story about how to engage conflict well, that would be a great space to kind of like talk a little bit about, hey, this is what works for me. This is how we're doing this. This is how I can be an agent of healing. But since we have this rare time called a worship service together, I want to uh, not just kind of drop some like memeable 
tips, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about the spirituality of conflict and ultimately how conflict is good for the soul. How conflict is good for that like innermost being of yourself. This is really counterintuitive. This is kind of like the upside down logic of the gospel because, because a lot of times when we engage in conflict, it's like, oh man, this is so unpleasant. <laughs> this is so uncomfortable. It demands so much from me and I want to avoid conflict as much as I can. And in fact, conflict avoidance is one of the key characteristics of what it means to live in Minnesota. So <laughs> like our uh, instinct is to avoid conflict as much as possible. But there's a certain spiritual depth to, to conflict. There's a certain like swiping up that we can do with conflict to truly understand what is underneath conflict. And if we understand the spiritual depth of conflict, then we're going to be able to engage in conflict better. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if you understand what's going way down beneath the surface, you'll be able to understand the waves that are at the on the surface a lot better. And that's important because our lives have a lot of waves in them. Um, so first of all, I just want to name that conflict teaches us what is important. Conflict teaches us what is important. We see this in Jesus's ministry um, most significantly when he was having that teaching where he would do you, for those of you who have read the gospels that part of Jesus's teaching where he's like um, okay go ahead and come and follow me you know come lead a life of liberating love come towards eternal life like all these things come on over follow me and someone was like Jesus my dad just died. Can I go bury my dad and then come follow you? And Jesus was like, hey, boo, I don't know how to tell you this, but your dad is already dead. Like, he's good. He's all set. He's, he's good. If you continue to spend your life in obligation to dead causes, then you will never be able to live into a liberating love. If your whole world is consumed with with th things that will not be able to love you back anymore with dead causes with these things that are like no longer going to be a source of life then you're always going to kind of be stuck in that because there's always going to be more things to bury and <laughs> jesus boldly says like don't worry about it like worry about pursuing the kingdom of god worry about the transformation of the world in in the name of god's liberating love for for captives and people who are oppressed like that's much more uh, uh, interesting and more important for your soul. And so Jesus engages conflict to say like, what actually is the most important? Because if you understand what is most important for you, then you will understand who you worship. And Jesus is trying to say like, all of your decisions, all of your words are, are ultimately an offering to the empire or the kingdom of God or something else. And we're trying to change our lives as much as possible to be moving towards God's liberating love. And conflict is what is the easiest way for us to engage what is most important. I'd also just say as a note on this that um, like conflict 
it, uh, when I'm in conflict with my loved ones, a lot of times it's because there's a misunderstanding of how important something is to someone. Oh, I thought this was a big deal for you, so I went all the way around and, and I thought for sure you needed a croissant, and so I went all the way across town to get a croissant, and then I came back, and now I'm kind of resentful because of how bad traffic was, and uh, croissants aren't important to you. You know, like there's, <laughs> there's kind of that like misunderstanding of how important something is, and conflict is one of the um, it's like it's like you heat up a system so that the things that rise to the top are the things that are most important to you and that is very valuable both for your partner or your roommate as well as for yourself. Secondly, conflict teaches us that forgiveness is necessary and absurd. <laughs> conflict is, uh, forgiveness is necessary and absurd. I just want to name something that is not super popular in kind of the zeitgeist of, of social media right now, but um, forgiveness is, is necessary for a relationship. You will always be justified in holding resentment to people, uh, and if, if forgiveness is to continue, then, uh, then, or I'm sorry, if a relationship is to continue, then forgiveness is necessary. Now, don't get it twisted. If someone's done you wrong, Forgiveness does not mean like, oh yeah, I'm just going to let someone walk all over me or I'm going to continue to allow someone to harm me or abuse me. That is not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not an empty check for someone to mistreat you. Forgiveness rather is you asserting your, urgent, your agency. Forgiveness is active to say, I'm not going to let the harm that you've committed against me to run my life anymore. I'm not going to allow the reaction that I'm having to your misdoings to steer my whole being because life is short and that is not how I want to uh, choose to use my words or actions anymore. And, and what, so forgiveness kind of tees you up to be able to uh, be responding from a place of commitment to love and abundance and your own love for yourself, love for everyone else, rather than um, uh, allowing something to just be swept under the rug or to completely rupture a relationship. And that's how relationships um, can best be cultivated. Um, I also think that every time that we forgive or that we receive forgiveness, we get a little glimpse of God in our lives because we realize that for as much like forgiveness that we need to dole out or receive from our community, there's a whole bunch more forgiveness that God is offering to us. And that type of divine empathy allows us to understand what God is doing for us. Think of all the catty basic ways that God could cancel us, <laughs> like all of us collectively, if she wanted to. Like think of all the ways that God could be like, hey, that was problematic and this is unacceptable. But God is a God of eternal love. And that love means that God can hold us accountable while still forgiving us and allowing us to, uh, to see a path of transformation. And like when we understand that that's what God is doing for us, then we can understand that that's what we can do for other people. And lastly, I would just say that conflict shows us that there are some needs that are only met in God. Okay, so follow me for a second. If conflict simply means that someone's needs are not being met. And, and hypothetically, this is one of the claims of Christianity, there are certain needs that can only be met in God. 
That means that there will always be a potential for conflict to happen because unless we are getting those needs met from God, we are going to engage in conflict, a certain type of spiritual conflict. And in fact, uh, um, uh, throughout Christian history, people kind of allude to this. Like well, one of the quotes from one of the saints is, um, uh, my soul only finds rest when I find rest in God. Like, you know, something along the lines of like, I only find rest when I find rest in God. If, if we truly have that need within us, if, if we don't have a relationship with God, if we don't have these like spiritual practices that are allowing us to find that peace in God, then we will project that conflict onto other people. In fact, a lot of conflict in our lives can be explained by expecting someone else to do God-sized work in our lives instead of letting God do God-sized work in our lives. Um, because the fact of the matter is that people are limited, they're, uh, we're flawed, we're beautiful and amazing and beloved, but we're flawed, we make mistakes, and we can't offer eternal peace to each other. Like that's not in how we are built. There's no shame in it. That's just not how we're built. We are rather geared to be in relationship with God to get a certain type of deep, profound joy, deep, profound peace. And if we expect that from each other, instead of expecting that from God, then we're going to just be in a continual cycle of, of conflict because our needs are continually not being met. It's like if, if we, um, are really thirsty, and then we go up to uh, a, a restaurant, and we're like, "Hey!" And the, and the restaurant only, uh, uh, and we only order food from the restaurant, and they're like, "Okay, here's your food." And we're like, "Yeah, but I'm thirsty. Give me some more food." And they're like, "Okay, here's some more food." No, I said I'm thirsty. Give me more jalapeno poppers. <laughs> Like, it's like we're just asking for the wrong thing from the wrong source to address the right need. And so one of the ways that we can view our conflict is an invitation for us to reassess our, our relationship with God and see how God might actually be willing to meet our needs to satisfy the deep longings of our heart in ways that human beings never can. And that helps us to enter right relationship with people because then the expectations are appropriately metered out. Does that kind of make sense? I know that we just went into a lot of theory, but um, let me just check in with the chat. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that quote of, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword, absolutely. Um, let the dead bury the dead. Understand who you worship. Um, uh, wow, this is much needed in this mercury microbraid, my, retrograde microbraid season view yes um so <laughs> yeah beautiful so these are these are ways that we can understand what this is all about and that's what noah and the flood was about basically right interesting i would like to hear more about that in sacred witnessing but basically like a lot of noah and the flood was like hey y'all are all in conflict with each other and like there is a, if conflict is evidence that there's needs not being met, y'all have created a social system where people's needs are perpetually not being met. And that's not how God's imagination for a flourishing creation went. So God was like, we're just going to etch a sketch this thing <laughs> and then try to start out with a new way. And then God sent us a rainbow to be like, hey, by the way, I'm going to, 
I'm gonna be here. I'm here for you, and I'm I'm offering you love. And if and every time that you see a rainbow, I want you to remember that I've covenanted to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. And so, my friends, my uh, blessing and prayer for you is that when you consider conflict, when the next time conflict happens this week, even then you're not just thinking about like, how do I win this conflict? What am I going to say next? What is the next argument? But rather to be able to um, understand deeply that there's something spiritual going on here, that there is, there is a, an opportunity for you to define what is important for you, for you to name what your needs are, perhaps an opportunity for you to practice subversive forgiveness, and ultimately an opportunity to um, to call out for God for the things that only God can provide. If you're feeling this sermon, go ahead and type amen in the chat, and may this always be with you all. Amen.